0: Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast It's July 1, 2019 and this is episode 666 Last month I completed my 5th epic Complete Namibia Tour and today we're going to start a series of travelogue-style episodes to walk you through the tour step by step As is often the case, I'm selecting my 10 images for each episode as I go So I'm not sure how many weeks this will span yet, but it will probably be 3 or 4 episodes and for those of you that like travelogue shows, I think you'll enjoy this As usual, we kick off the tour in Windhoek, the capital of Namibia Getting acquainted with the guests on the first evening, then starting our drive down to Kitman's Hope the following morning to get into the Quivertree Forest mid afternoon. The Quivertree Forest is a magical place, but as much as I try I never like the daylight photos from there. They just seem to be mediocre compared to the sunset and the nighttime shots that we get there. Here is one of my favourite shots as the sun dropped down below the horizon, and this is a slightly different take on what I've done in previous years. I just liked how the tree on the right helped me to frame the shot, although it did not lead itself to the separation that I usually like to try and get among the other quiver trees in the distance, but I think it still works. I think the soft pink tones in the sky and also the warm light of late dusk illuminating the trunk of that right tree helped to give us some more information about the trees, when most of the others are almost completely silhouetted. At this point, my settings for this shot were 0.6 second exposure at ISO 100, and an aperture of f14 at 35 millimeters. I was of course using a tripod, and all of the images that I'll share in these travelogues were shot with one of my two Canon EOS R cameras. I was also using my Canon RF 24-105mm lens for these first two images. As the sun shot deeper below the horizon, I shot a few final images with the warm glow just along the bottom of the frame, transitioning gradually to the indigo of twilight at the top. Here, too, I abandoned my desire to keep each tree separated in order to get these many different quiver tree forms in one frame, including many of the trees which were flowering. My shutter speed for this shot was now down to 13 seconds at ISO 100, still at f14, and now using a slightly wider focal length of 27mm. It's always fun running around the quiver tree forest trying to find compositions that I feel work as the sky gradually turns red. Unfortunately this year there was no cloud cover, so the sunset had nothing to reflect onto, making it somewhat uneventful. However, that was probably a good thing, as I'd planned for us to be at the quiver trees when there is a new moon this year and that gave us the opportunity to come back into the forest after dinner for some astrophotography. As you can see from this next image, the clear skies did help us to get some pretty neat shots of the Milky Way, with the quiver trees silhouetted in the foreground, and the timing of our trip actually placed Jupiter right in the Milky Way, shining bright to the left of the quiver tree in this image. You've probably heard people talking about the 500 rule or the 600 rule, which is intended as a guideline calculation to help you avoid elongation of the star's discs in your images of the night sky caused by the rotation of the Earth. Basically, you divide the focal length that you'll shoot at by 500, so dividing 500 by the 17 millimeters I used for this shot we get 29.4 seconds. Well, I imagine this will be affected by where you are on the planet, as I imagine the movement of the Earth affects the stars more when you're closer to the equator. So, just south of the Tropic of Capricorn in June, I find the ideal formula is actually to use what I suppose should be termed the 340 rule. In fact, at 20 seconds at the focal length of 17mm, the stars are just starting to elongate, so you may even need a shorter shutter speed if you really want to get circular discs. This works for me though, and I'm pretty happy with this year's Milky Way photo, especially with the cameo from Jupiter. The following morning we got up bright and early to head out to the Giants' playground, looking to capture this kind of image, again as a silhouette, but this time of the comical faces that we can find in the dramatic rock formations of the playground. It's literally like giants have placed these rocks so that they look like faces. If you were in the UK in the 70s and 80s, you'll probably recognise the late Bruce Forsyth, with the trilby hat on, looking up at Venus from his pile of rocks. Shrek is also peering up at Venus from just right of centre and, of course, the baboon or Easter Island statue is pretty prominent on the left side of the frame. My settings for this were a 6 second exposure at f14 with ISO 100 and a focal length of 70 millimeters. Once again, I continued to shoot some images once the sun started to come up but they really don't do as much for me as these dramatic silhouettes, so we'll skip them. After breakfast we drove through the morning to the Atlantic shore, just short of Luderitz, our base for the next two nights, and we spent the afternoon in Kolmanskop, the deserted diamond mine town that is gradually being reclaimed by the desert. Although I have somewhat sceptical views on trying to create something different, as discussed in episode 571, I do like to try and find things that I've not photographed before, especially as I visit many places time and again on my tours, and I was happy to find the room that we see in this first image from Colmanskop, which I found for the first time this year. Maybe the owners of Coleman's Carp are gradually clearing the entrances to some of the rooms that are still in relatively good condition, as the roofs cave in on other buildings, gradually taking them out of commission. Or maybe I just missed it, but I did enjoy this room with its vertically striped moss green wallpaper. I also liked the half sheet of corrugated steel on the floor, and as I've mentioned before, I generally like to allow the light from the windows to glow like this, rather than trying to let the viewer see outside, as I feel this adds to the mystery of the image. My settings for this were a 1 second exposure at f14, with ISO 100 and a focal length of 24mm. One shot that I pretty much repeat without change every year is this image of the school corridor from the furthest building from the entrance to town. There's just something about the one-point perspective that I use for this shot that continues to appeal to me. I also pay attention to getting the camera at just the right height and position to enable me to get wall on either side of the frame and to get the windows vertical throughout the shot so I don't have to correct the image with the keystone tool in Capture One Pro the contrast between the inside and the outside world here is actually not so high so with the tweak of the sliders in Capture One Pro I can actually bring the highlights down to show you the buildings outside for this image but I prefer not to I just like that glow as I mentioned earlier and really don't think that we have to see outside unless it helps us to tell a deeper story for me, in these shots, quite often the mystery is more important. My settings for this shot were a shutter speed of 0.4 seconds at f14, ISO 100 at 40mm. As I shoot common some of the rooms that we peer into have direct sunlight pouring into them, and although that can be effective, it can also introduce too much contrast, so... I make a mental note to revisit the room the following morning when the sun is on the other side of the building. I'd just walked away from the room in this next shot when the sun went behind some clouds, so I quickly walked back with a few of my guests so that we could shoot it while the window of opportunity lasted. I really like this room, so full of sand yet still in relatively good condition. For this shot we literally have to just shoot through a broken panel in a wooden door, which will never be opened again with all of this sand pushing back against it. For this perspective, I also used my Canon EF11-24mm to lens, almost wide open at 12 millimeters, being careful to get the back wall square in the frame but allowing the wide lens to cause all of these great diagonal lines of the sides of the walls and the ceiling. I also like how we can see the second room with its healthy amount of sand against its blue wall as well. My other settings were f14 for a 4 second exposure, this time at ISO 400, because the wind was gusting a little, and I didn't want to risk a longer exposure. The following morning we went back into Colmanskop and were presented with a foggy start to the day, as the sea mist made its way inland, engulfing the deserted town for our first hour. We got a number of shots of the mine manager and accountant's houses in the mist that were interesting, but perhaps not quite interesting enough to share here. As the mist cleared, the sun once again became strong enough to create these slithers of light on the walls in one of the rooms where the roof has caved in and the upstairs floorboards have decayed away, leaving the slats on the first floor ceiling exposed. This building is another favourite, with an indoor sand dune that almost seems like it might have been the in-thing to do at one point in history, like keeping a bonsai tree or doing indoor fireworks at a party. Once again I'm playing with the lines in the walls caused by the wide angle of 12 millimeters, causing the angles to open out from the vertical lines in seemingly random order, accentuated perhaps by the roof of the room to the right caving in, forming another completely unexpected angle. My other settings were a 0.4 second exposure at f14, ISO 125. I mentioned earlier that I like the glowing windows unless there's a story to tell by being able to see outside. Well, this is probably the first photo I've shot at Coleman Scott where I felt that there was a story to be told by being able to see out of the window. I went through one of the rooms in the hospital and found a corridor at the back with windows that looked out across the desert, with some of the distant buildings of the entrance to the Elizabeth Bay diamond mine that we would visit later this day. As I looked at the scene from these windows, I thought of all of the people that must have sat in this corridor looking out across the desert just as I was, and perhaps some with ailments that may have made them long to be able to go outside, despite it being one of the most hostile environments on the planet. To tell this story I exposed for outside rather than inside, and then increased the brightness of the inside with the shadow slider in Capture One Pro. This gives us enough information to see the now failing walls, but also the flourishes above the border painted on the walls showing us how proud the people running and staying inside this hospital were of their architecture. My settings were a 125th of a second at f16, ISO 100 and my lens was wide open at 11mm. The last image from Coleman Scott that I'd like to share from this visit is this one, of another favourite building where the roof and upstairs floorboards are missing but at the right time of day provide this wonderful display of diagonal slithers of light throughout the building. I, of course, lined this up so that the doors in the other rooms of the house are in view, but also went vertical to emphasise all of the gaps in the slats in the ceiling and the slithers of light on the floor. With the camera horizontal in landscape orientation, you get a bit too much of the dark walls either side of these slithers of light, so I prefer portrait orientation here. I kind of like the door that someone has stood up against the wall as an extra element of interest, but I was happy when it was not there as well. I guess this is something different that moves me so little that I don't really care either way. My settings for this were a fiftieth of a second at f14, ISO 100, with a focal length of 19mm. Again, the wide angle is helping me to accentuate all of these lines, making for a very graphically pleasing shot, although I do realise that some people struggle to understand what's happening in this image, at least to begin with. Okay, so that brings us to 10 images, and the end of this first episode of the series. Next week we'll pick up the trail as we head into Elizabeth Bay where there's still a diamond mine in production which means strict security as we enter and leave although our goal is to visit the run-down houses and buildings in the old mine that has been closed for some 50 years or so now. Note that we have filled the first vehicle for this tour in 2020 so the tour will go ahead but we do now have spaces in the second vehicle, so if you'd like to join me, please check your schedules and book your place at mbp.ac Namibia 2020 as soon as you can. The lodgers and other service providers in Namibia force us to lock in on our numbers very early, and once we're locked in, we can't take any more people. So time is of the essence, as they say. As you'll see during this travelogue series, this is a truly epic tour in which you will see and photograph many of the highlights that Namibia has to offer, and I'd really like to share it with you on my 6th visit. Thanks very much for listening today, if you enjoy this podcast please share a link with your friends, subscribe in iTunes or your favourite podcast programme to ensure uninterrupted delivery. If you have a moment to rate the podcast or leave us a review in iTunes, that helps to keep us relevant in the huge number of podcasts out there now. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn, etc. And links to everything that I'm up to are at martinbaileyphotography.com. so do drop by and take a look. I'll be back next week with another episode, but in the meantime, you take care and have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye.